brought to you by Prescient Investment Management. Informed by science, guided by insight. Prescient Investment Management is an authorized FSP. Welcome to Honest Money. We've got our repeat guest, Yolanda Boerter, who heads up uh, Galileo Capital's Wealth Division. Thank you so much for joining us, Yolanda. Oh, it's great to be here again. Thank you, Warren. So, Yolanda, we're, uh, we're talking today about um, something that's fairly topical to South African investors, which is the, the concept of investing overseas. Uh, but but uh, more specifically, People always want to know how much, you know, how much should I send over, uh, send overseas? And, you know, you'll get some fairly radical views. So some people will say it's unpatriotic to invest your money out of your country where you live and you should have all your eggs in this basket. And then you've got some, uh, some people who are desperately afraid of South Africa uh, and they'll say, send you all your money out. Uh, and and uh, then some kind of, I'm just going to say some dodgy operators who are just saying uh, send it all out because they want you to put it all in their, in their fund. So they've got an agenda in, in, in what they're saying. But the point is, there is the spread. It's naught to 100 or 100 to naught, depending on which way you look at it. And, and I guess, um, j- just to tee off, both of those are wrong. 100% offshore, 100% local. Uh, there might be very unique circumstances where that would suit somebody. But in most of the instances, it's going to be a spread, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's very much a individual um, decision and, and geared to an individual, but there are certain rules that you can follow when you want to make these kind of decisions. So the first one is whether you're going to stay in South Africa or not. It is a topical discussion, and it's something that a lot of younger people are actually considering. So... Um, that would be the first thing. And of course, if you're planning to be overseas, then you should actually start taking all your money overseas. 100% of it should be there. Um, if you are staying in South Africa, and hopefully that's most of our listeners, but, um, or your listeners, but yeah. we, um, um, then you need to have a certain amount of rands available because we're spending in rands. Yeah. Um, so... If you're a person that's staying here and you have enough money to cover your expenses, so if you look at your investments and what you can draw from it is covering your budget, um, I would say keep it all in South Africa. So if you look at the funds that are available, the unit trust kind of environment, that's where most people invest their money, um, most of those funds have a huge portion of it overseas. Um, even in retirement funds, the regulations now allow us to go up to 45% overseas. So you have, um, um, say, between 30 to 45% of your fund already there, and you know it's hedged. Um, so you're getting the, um, the, the positive side of the RAND devaluation in your fund in any case. Um, it's just RAND-based, and you're spending it in RAND. So it is a positive to RAND devaluation somewhere along the <laughs> Yeah, be careful when it strengthens, then it works against then, you. Then it hurts you. Yeah. So, so that's scenario one, uh, that, that you, you might not need to go to your bank or a foreign exchange dealer, convert your rands into dollars or pounds or euros and send it out. You, you can simply buy a balanced unit trust. Uh, and that balanced unit trust, um, it's in the name. It's balancing between SA, global. Uh, you've got a nice spread of assets uh, already in there and, and you, 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 you kind of get the coverage that you need. Yeah, and I think even for more conservative investors, you know, they're all sometimes a little bit more worried even. And even those conservative funds, they usually have names like stable or a conservative or a guarded, cautious. 
and, and even those funds have quite a big portion of their, of their assets overseas. So, so that's a, that, that describes, I guess, a big chunk of, of South Africa's investor population. But, but there will be other people who are in a, in a different position. So, so maybe let's talk about people with a bit more money. How, how do they make a decision? So if you have a lot more and you know that there's, there's a possibility that you're going to leave some money behind to your kids and so on, um, then possibly start looking at about 30 to 50% overseas. So that means that you actually take your hands, you do convert it to dollars, and you invest it in dollars in an overseas market. Um, it's a costly exercise, so, so make sure you're in that position and that, that's right for you. Um, there are lots of advantages to that. Um, but, and then if you are in the position where you are going to leave money to third generations, and maybe even further along, then look at about 70% and higher due to of your assets overseas. Okay, so, so let's, let's uh, break those two categories up. So, because for me, it, it makes sense that, uh, you know, people that, that know they're gonna, uh, they're gonna have just enough over their retirement, so, you know, they, they, their money will outlive them, uh, and, and they might leave some money to their children, uh, but, but they're not convinced they're gonna leave money to grandchildren. They, they just don't think they've got that much. There we're saying, okay, uh, you, you know, start converting some of your rands into dollars, pounds, or euros. Send it out, uh, and and give yourself a target. And I think it's an important point. It's not a target for one day in one step. It's a target over time. It's when you've got capital available uh, and you are directing that money somewhere. Build it up to around about that thirty, uh, you know, up to fifty percent level. Uh, and and why I like that because. Uh, uh, you know, when I don't know what to do, I want to hedge my bets in, in multiple directions. So having half in South Africa, half global, as an example, uh, th th that, that protects you if, if the economy here and the RAND and all of those things go really badly, half of your wealth is locked in, in, into other countries. However, if South Africa turns and, and the stock market goes well, and sometimes it feels like it'll never turn, but it will, uh, then you've got a chunk of your assets that's recovering here and giving you growth potentially, because what we need to remember is, Global markets don't always grow, and, and sometimes they are falling when South Africa is rising. And, and then you've got that hedge of, okay, my local assets are growing and doing well, RAND is strengthened, uh, my, my dollar and pound and euro assets are not going well, and uh, in, in RAND terms they're doing even worse. I'm, I'm, I'm winning some somewhere and losing somewhere. Yeah. So it's, again, it's a diversification um, conversation. So you diversificate, uh, diversify not just only across... Um, your shares or bonds, property and cash, but also across um, currencies, actual hard currencies. And, and then we've got that third category, which is the people that then take 70, 75% and they send that out. Now, when you say that, it sounds like a huge amount and it sounds you know, like quite disproportional, but, but we're breaking that down because we're saying these are people that have got um, money that they are fairly sure if their own children don't mess it up, it's going to go to the grandchildren as well, and maybe to grandchildren's grandchildren. These are these are uh, kids that are not even born yet, uh, and, and so there, uh, we, we we know we don't know what's going to happen. We know that uh, you know we don't know what the economic superpower will be in seventy-five years' time, and that's what you're looking at if you're worrying about grandchildren or their children. Uh, and, and so, having a global spread of assets means that you, you're able to to help uh, grandchildren and, and the like with their education. They might want to study overseas, they might want to live overseas. And, and, and then covering all eventualities everywhere is why you have such a big proportion. 
and knowing that you know saying 25% of your assets in South Africa it's still a big chunk of money it's not like we're saying send it all out yeah and that is something that will sustain them for their lifestyle costs yeah so and that's the reason for that but for that percentage and, and I think also key there is that you, you, your mindset for that money, when, you're, when you've got that three-generation wealth, your mindset is not, I'm investing for me and what, uh, all of this money for my own purposes, because you, you already know you've got more than you'll ever spend. What you're investing there is, I'm investing for people I don't even know yet, people that aren't even born yet. Uh, and, and, and when you've got that, that massive time horizon, huge diversification makes good sense there because the world is going to be very different. Uh, and, and again, uh, we, we're stuck in this paradigm. We, we live now where, you know, South Africa's having a tough time. America's been the place to be. 75 years from now, you know, South Africa might be the superpower and, and everyone's worrying about the, the backwater that is America with all of their corruption and, <laughs> and their load shedding. We just don't know. That would be lovely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and people do think that that's completely impossible and totally you know, ir irrational. Just jump back 50 years ago and look at what happened to China. You know, China was an economic backwater. You know, in, in the 70s and 80s, it was this massively communist, highly regulated country uh, dealing with things like famine and, and you know, no production, uh, you know, no local economy to speak of, uh, you know, other than just being able to get by. And today, it's the thing that produces most of the goods that most of us use somewhere. Um, with a massive local economy. And I think that, you know, the, the, the countries and, and, and economies can change in a generation. And that's 25 years. Three generations, uh, you know, the world, the world can go full circle. That's a thing. If you, the more money you have, the longer your time horizon is. And the more um, you don't know what's going to happen. So, so let's just maybe uh, touch on, uh, on one of the favorite pastimes about, uh, about investing. So we, we're, we're kind of getting a good feel for how much. Uh, but, but now when, you know, and it's the question I guess we face a lot is, you know, you, you get the, the phone call to say the Rand's at 16 to the dollar. I think I'm just going to wait because it's going to get to 1550. Um, and then six weeks later or six months later, you get a phone call. Uh, the Rand's at 1970 to the dollar. I, I think I'm going to wait because it must get better than that. Uh, what, what's the right answer? Is there a right answer? People do get fixated on that, on that dollar exchange rate. And, and we're talking dollar rand exchange rate. Um, it's, uh, there isn't a right way, but, but the rand has a fair value. And um, uh, the one thing is when, when you take it out, it is a cost to you. But the other side of the coin is when you're in the offshore markets, um, what are you going to invest in there? Is that going to grow? Um, and, and where is markets at currently? So if we look at current environments, the rand has blown out, but offshore markets are fairly valued. So there is a big chance that you can get quite an uptick if you invest investing offshore. So the cost that you pay in the higher value or the, or the weaker value of the rand, of the rand yeah. um, you can make that up by, by higher growth in the offshore markets um, when they add a lower value. And I think the important point here is we're not sitting here to say we think there is a casting concrete rand dollar exchange rate. It's always going to be something that will be dependent on you know, economic environments, differences in inflation rates, etc. So, so when you're listening to this and you're wondering what's the number, the answer is we don't have a number for you, unfortunately. What we can say is 
if you're sitting in an environment and you want to convert those rands uh, into dollars and you want to send the money out, have a look at what's going on in the international stock markets. If the international stock markets are coming off a period where they've been going down uh, for a time and they've been really volatile and rocky, then, then that is probably a good signal for you to actually get your rands into dollars and buy those things at a discount. The likelihood is they're going to go up. However, if the international markets have been running, going up and up and up for days and days and days and months and months and months, uh, th then don't feel that rush unless you've, you've got no money overseas and you need to start building up. So, so I think you can look at what's going on overseas first and use that as a guide to make the, the decision here, which is not what people generally do. So, so I think that that's an important uh, uh, consideration. The other thing is it doesn't need to be all or nothing at once. And that's the key. I think, you know, if you've got no money overseas and let's say you won the lotto and you've got 10 million rand you need to allocate over to international markets, take, take a chunk now, wait three or six months, do another chunk, wait three or six months, do the last chunk. Uh, spread it out over time. Uh, that likelihood is you're going to get the exchange rate at a good, bad and ugly level. And over, on the average, you'll be okay. Yeah, so like you say, it's not an all or nothing. And um, if you feel that the rand has blown out too much, then per perhaps it is the best way just to, um, to phase it. Just put your money in, in three and, and take it over time. And it doesn't have to be this month, next month, and, and then in three months' time. You can wait a bit and see what things do and, and, and where the rand goes. Because the rand always blows out. And then it also always strengthens way past what we think it will. And then it sort of settles again at a value. And I think the, the guarantee there is that the rand's never stable. Uh, and, and exchange rates themselves are never stable. So, so if you don't like the story today, just wait a, a few days, a few weeks, a few months, the story will change. Uh, what's important there is don't be too emotional about this. Again, have a plan, have a strategy, uh, and, and that will work in your favor over time. Uh, and I think that that's maybe where people get it wrong again, is they... They see the RAND blow out to you know, new levels, the media is blaring at them that this is the worst exchange rate ever, and then they make the one classic mistake. They go, it's only going to get worse. And to your point, it moves like a big pendulum. When it gets bad, it gets really, really bad. And, and then guess what? One day for a reason none of us predict, it starts to recover, uh, and then it goes and gets really, really good. And then we all sit there going, gee, it's gonna get a lot better than that. And that's the mistake we make, is it's gonna do this all the time, and don't, don't get too radical or dramatic in your predictions. And most clients that come to us, have a, they have a long investment horizon. Even people that are retiring, you know, they, they always say to me, um, they have to get into a conservative portfolio or into cash because now they're in retirement. And that's not true. They still have another 30, 40 year time horizon during retirement. So if you take your money out and the rent does come back, you know, over time it will devalue, we know that, and that's just a, uh, you know, a function of the inflation rates, differences. Yeah. And, um, and you will get back to where you were, so um, don't regret those decisions. Make sure it's part of your plan and your strategy, and then, and then do what you have to do. Um, but don't regret the, what the you've done now. decision that you've made. And, and maybe just on the, on the last point there around, uh, around that, is we've been speaking about the Rand dollar quite a bit. Uh, and, and I think it's important there, when you're investing overseas, we're not saying to you, take your rands, put them in dollars, and then put it all into America. What we're saying is, uh, I mean, you can actually, over time, build up a basket of currencies. You can have rands uh, going into dollars, into pounds, into euros. 
But, but what you shouldn't do is be too specific on what you do on the other side. Don't take it all and put it into one country, even if it's the biggest economy in the world. Make sure that it's very well spread. I feel if you get that right and in, in terms of a global portfolio of assets, the fact that you might own a global unit trust, let's just talk about unit trust, you know, it, it's, it is the common investment vehicle. A, a global unit trust might be priced in dollars, but if it's investing across a range of countries, that global unit trust in turn owns some dollars, some pounds, some euros, some yen, and, and, and a whole bunch of other currencies. So, so spending too much energy about now saying, okay, this week, do I convert my rands to pounds or my rands to euros or my rands to, euro, uh, to yen or to dollars or whatever it is, I think buying a global portfolio and having, having one currency for the price of that, it's not everything in one place. It is another form of spreading. Um, and like you say, it is a spread of everything. People get so fixated on one currency and sometimes that currency blows out or, or falls and, and then focusing on that only. But, but you do need to have a spread, first of all, and then make sure it's liquid. Because sometimes you're in South Africa, sometimes you're going to want to withdraw some of that money <laughs> and spend it here or spend it um, on, on trips overseas. Yeah, so, so let's, let's quickly explain. So, so a liquid, in other words, it's something that you can send an instruction, it can be sold, you can get it back into your bank account. If it's a global investment, it might not happen in 24 hours, it might take a week. But, but, but what you don't want to do is put it overseas and put all of your global money into something that's got a five-year lock-in. Uh, and, you know, because someone sold you a guaranteed product and, you know, these things are amazing and, you know, but you can't touch your money for the next five years. Or, uh, you know, the, the latest, greatest hedge fund, uh, crypto, AI, what 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 can't touch your money. And, and then all of a sudden things go wrong and you need your money and it's now illiquid. It's contracted. And we're all saving for the purpose of spending it eventually. Right. So... Yeah, make sure you can access your money. <laughs> so, so, and if you do find something that's the latest, greatest, whatever it is, and, you, and there is a lock-in period, please don't allocate all of your overseas money there. I think that's another point is, uh, you know, I, I don't like those lock-ins, but if you need to do that, then make sure you've got an, a portion which is always accessible so that when the rainy day happens, because that's what happens, uh, uh, you know, th then you've got accessible money. I think we're, we're, we're uh, pretty much out of time, so, um, and I've been going on enjoying myself here. But, but uh, Yolanda Boete, thank you much, so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom and, uh, and your experience with us. I think it's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Brought to you by Prescient Investment Management. Informed by science. Guided by insight. Prescient Investment Management is an authorized FSP. 